Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 77. Today we are talking about student choice and voice in the music room. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the school week, share some ideas in a segment called Know Better, Do Better, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and then our CODA section will give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music classroom. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it's time to share some highs and lows from our school week. So Tanya. Yes. Go for it. I'm going to be short and sweet. Okay. Just like my kindergartners. Aww. <laughs> Because because I just need to I, kindergarten love. Oh my goodness, they they say the sweetest things and yes. they're the cutest. And so um, there were a couple times this week. In fact, just yes yesterday. No, it's not yesterday. Um, a couple days ago, uh, at school, I, w- I had second grade in the room and we were doing our thing and the door was open. Well, at the same time, kindergarten is outside at recess. But when they need to go to the restroom, they go through a hallway that goes right past my door. Uh-huh. And so the second grade is like, Miss Lejeune, there's somebody hanging by the door. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so it's a little kindergarten girl. Aww. And she's like, I just love the music in my ears so much. I just wanted to listen. Oh, isn't that the best? Isn't that the best? <laughs> That's yes. So, sweet. so that that was, you know, a highlight of my day. Yeah. Um, and then later on, same day, I'm doing crossing guard because that's what I do. And another kindergartner um, was crossing the street and getting into their car. And, and he was like, bye-bye, butterfly. And, you know, because we sing this bye-bye, butterfly yeah. song. And so a lot of the kindergartners, when they pass me in the hallway, they make a little butterfly with their hands. Aww. Or little heart hands. Um, but anyway, so, and he said, you know, he was very sweet about that. Every time he sees me, he says that. And then when they were driving away, he leans out the window. He's like, I just love your voice. Oh, how sweet. I know. You have a fan club. I'm so excited. It's kindergartners. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good to have kindergartners yes. that, that love being in music. They're just keeping us honest and pure. Yes. I mean... <laughs> I could talk about the one kindergartner who ran out the room. And, well, there's always that. There's that. But, um, you we'll, know. We'll focus on that. I'm going to take the positive personally. Yeah. And the negative, not so personally. That's a great <laughs> That's, that's my a great plan. plan. <laughs> and you? Well, okay. I, I don't know if I can be as short and sweet. Mine, I, cut me off if I talk too long. But I want to tell everybody. <laughs> What's it, what is what, it like in COVID like? land? <laughs> To quarantine. So I, t- I shared this story on the Instagram in my, st- in my and, story. And we should preface this by saying that we are teaching 100% in person. Yes. Yes. And there's also remote classes. Yeah. That's well, another with thing. some remote and Zooming <laughs> dashed in for good measure. Right. But whatever. So here is my story. Um. So, gosh, this was now... Um, it's Sunday now, so it was two weeks ago, like, from tomorrow. Um, I got a call at 9 o'clock Monday night from my principal saying, 
you are in quarantine because we had students who I had in my class the week before who both tested positive, their siblings, but of course I had both of them. And you sat next to both of them. Well, I, you know, and my memory was so fuzzy. I had to go back and really think about it. And I'm glad that I, for my own personal self, take attendance every time kids come in the room, just for myself. I don't have to do this for anyone else but me, because I could go back and figure out exactly when those kids were in my room. And they, one, the, one of them was in my room only once, and then he was out sick the rest of the week. Right. And then the, his, his sister was in my room, I think, three times that week. Um, anyways, they both ended up being out sick, pending COVID tests, and then they tested positive. So both of their classes and their classroom teacher went fully remote. But then I also had to quarantine. And of course, no one really thought about what would happen if this happens, right? Because then... The problem is I have other classes that I see throughout the day that Mm -hmm. are not in quarantine. So what do we do? So they tried to get me a sub. They could not get me a sub for Tuesday. So what I said was, well, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to zoom in from home because I feel fine. I went and got a COVID test. I got it back very quickly. I do not have COVID. Everything was fine as far as my health goes. But Per our district policy, I had to quarantine yeah. for a full seven days. Even which I'm if glad, you're negative. Yeah, because yeah. they don't know if it's going to pop up later. So fully appreciate the fact that they took it seriously, told me to stay home, tried to get me a sub. So the very first day, um, random people were in my room. So I had the, the instructional coach was in my room. I had the PE teacher covering my class, and I had um, a para in my class. And so basically all they had to do was open the Zoom and just be kind of the physical teacher in the room, kind of guiding kids through what I was doing. And you're the talking head on the screen. I'm the talking head on the screen. And unfortunately, because of the way my tech is set up in my room and where my laptop has to be, I don't really get a good view of the students from my Zoom. (laughs) I can see like three kids in the back of the room. Right. So I literally have no idea what's going on. And of course, the sound delay is so bad, but we kind of got through it. And then by the grace of whatever power you believe in, I got an email on Tuesday evening from uh, a wonderful gal who just joined our district as a music sub. Yay. She reached out to me totally randomly, not knowing any of this was going on, obviously, just saying, hey, I'd love to sub for you sometime. Keep me in mind. And I said, well, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> so she jumped in and she was able to sub for me for the rest of my time. So it was so great to have a musician in the room. Yes. She's she's a mother. She's a musician. She was a amazing the kids loved her and it was it was kind of fun because it was kind of like co-teaching and having a student teacher in a way Uh because I was able to send her things ahead of time and be like well hey when we get to this singing game can you just kind of take over because Mm -hmm. it would be really hard for me to do this from my screen when I can't see the kids right so I was still you know driving the lesson I still wrote the plans I would share the plans with her ahead of time send her pdfs of songs if she needed it and uh we made it work So um, it was an interesting experience, and I just say all this because, you know, anyone who's listening might have a similar experience. If you have to quarantine, but not all of your classes are going to quarantine, what do you do? So, um, you know, thank goodness for a couple things that I had my laptop at home with me, although I didn't have my charger, (laughs) I realized when I got home. So I had to borrow my daughter's Chromebook charger, which thank goodness fit. But from now on, I know the lesson of bring your laptop and your charger home every single day, Mm -hmm. because you never know what's going to happen that night. Yeah, we got an email to that effect. Um, at my school from my principal saying, hey, it would be a good idea if you make sure you bring things home, yeah. if you make sure that... Students are bringing their yes. stuff home. Because as the weather is getting colder, 
Yes. You know, and, and we are spiking here in Colorado, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and specifically in our district, we are spiking as well. Yep. So let's just be realistic about what could happen. And I still, we were talking, we were having puppet conversations. I mean, not with puppets, but about puppets, you and I. <laughs> Although I we did, do I've done that too. We have conversations with puppets, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, no. That's, that happens as well. But no, about how, like, I've got like two-thirds of my puppets still sitting at home. Yeah. And I and brought my just puppets. Gonna go. I brought my puppets to school, and then after this happened, I was like, "Nope, they're coming back home with me." Yeah, you know, it's it's just interesting because I just I feel like I'm just constantly packing and unpacking things from my car because I don't know what I want there. And of course, being at two different schools right. amplifies. Welcome it. to the world. Of so. Just- you know, bring it all everywhere. Yeah. So what could have been a really bad low, I guess I'm going to turn around to a positive and say it really wasn't as bad as I originally thought it was going to be because of the fact I was able to get a really great sub. Yes. And that was totally serendipitous. But also the other thing I want to say, put a plug in for is, and this is what I said in my stories, if you haven't already done this, get your kids on their LMS, whatever that may mm-hmm. be, whether it's learning Google management Classroom, yeah. Seesaw, Schoology, don't wait until you go remote to get mm-hmm. those things set up. It's get so it much set harder. up. And this is something that Tanya and I talk about all the time. I have my kids going into Google Classroom or Seesaw almost every single lesson. I do too. And uh, two reasons. Number one, because we can't do a lot of shared materials, shared manipulatives, even worksheets. I'm like, I don't want to deal with I'm not doing pencils. any worksheets. I'm putting them all in their Google exactly. Classroom or their Seesaw. I'm making everything digital because I want them to be able to have their own device and be able to do it on their own. But also, I want them constantly practicing all these different tech. So if and when we go fully mm-hmm. remote or I go fully remote, so I was able to upload Google Classroom and Seesaw assignments from home for my students to do in class Mm -hmm. and they were able to log in they were able to access the assignments because we had done it a gazillion times right so to all of you people out there who are teaching in person make sure you have done those steps as soon as possible it's a good idea it really saved me a lot of time and headache when I was quarantined. There you so, go. I'm back at school. I was able to go back last week, Wednesday. It was nice to be back in person with the kids. Of course, now I'm dealing with we're a little behind where we should be, but we already were. You know what? I mean, Let go of, of where you should be. Exactly. Not I have. this year. I have. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was an interesting experience, and I'm just sharing my my experience with the world. Learn from me. Yeah. <laughs> And now it's time for our main theme, which is student choice and voice in the music room. And uh, this is something that is important, like, all the time. But especially this year when kids don't seem to, well, yeah, all of us don't seem to have a lot of agency in how things are going. Yes. We're limited purely by the safety measures that we have to take. Yeah. And we need to take. And this is all good because, I mean, we're still going to school. Right. Right. Uh, But, you know, we want to still give kids that opportunity to express themselves and to choose things for themselves and, you know, to not feel like everything is I'm sitting here staring straight ahead and listening to the sage on the stage. Right. So this is why we thought this is a very timely issue with student choice so that they have agency and student voice so they're able to share themselves and again that's that social emotional piece Mm -hmm. where they can really um you know start 
expressing themselves, but also being in control of their emotions that might be a little more intense right now. And anyway, yeah, all those things. Yeah. And with some of these ideas too, I think the blessing in disguise has been through all this use of tech, I've noticed with some of my students, they're actually really blossoming in that format. Mm -hmm. And they're able to do things, whether it's in person, you know, online or at home online, you know, in an online format, they're able to to do things in their own little personal space that they might not feel comfortable sharing out loud in the classroom. Yeah, exactly. So I'm finding myself connecting with students in a really new and different way. Totally. Especially my older kids. Yeah, and maybe even more on an individual one-on-one. Yeah, exactly. Because the the downside of what's going on is that we don't have these community building. We're used to folk dancing. We're used to grouping. We're used to circling up. We're used to singing. We're used to being in small groups and pairing and sharing. But then the upside is that maybe students feel more comfortable really getting deeper with expressing their their individual feelings and um, what they can do creatively. So, you know, it's a give and take, and that's where we're at. So we thought we'd go through and talk about some small choices, some bigger choices, And some voices. Some voices, giving yes. them that voice. All okay. right, so let's talk about some ideas for, for small choices. Yeah, and some of these I had shared on our Instagram stories, but, you know, those are here and there. Yeah. Um, but something that I really firmly believe in is letting kids choose instruments. Yeah. Right? Now, unfortunately, the thing is that I keep emphasizing with my students is that, okay, so if you choose to ch- play the tambourine for this percussion exploration thing that we're doing you're only playing the tambourine right right yeah my kids are struggling with that too because they're used to we rotate and you eventually maybe not get to play all of the instruments but usually two or three yes and so that's that's definitely been a, a harder thing and I'm a big fan of them you know exploring as many as they can right but so with instruments and it's with small percussion instruments, but also with barred instruments, I often go through this thing with my students that, like, I'll go around and I'll say, okay, and here, if you play tambourine, we're going to play it like this today, we're going to hit it. Oh, if you play the woodblock, you're going to play it like this, um, if you choose to do that. So I go and I kind of talk through quickly all of the choices they have, and then I really make a point of saying, make a choice in your brain without, you're not going to go there. Uh-huh. With your eyes in your brain, make your first choice. Yeah. Now please make a second choice. Oh, I do the same thing. Because so you funny. might not get your your second choice. And you know what? Why don't you just go ahead and make a third choice? Because, just in uh, case. Just in case. And it's so cute because I, I'm sure you have the same thing. I have kids who are like, I've got my plan A, my plan B, mm-hmm. my plan C, and my plan D. I call it a backup for your backup. Yes, exactly. So then how do you then go through the process of of who you call first and second? Is it random? You know what? It's random. Yeah. Or like, oh, I'm looking for who looks ready, who's got their eyes on me. Yeah, and I do some of that. But then they're all looking ready. And I'll just, I mean, now that I have colored Velcro dots, I'm doing a lot of color calling by dots. Yeah. And, of course, there's the classic, like, if you're wearing a zipper or whatever. Um, it's funny because I keep saying this to students because uh, I don't know if you have kids who get into, like, basically a running stance. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I said, hey, you want to know a music teacher secret? Here's the secret. When music teachers see kids getting into a running position. We're not going to call you. You're the last one we call on. Yep, I say that too. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then along with that... I am a big believer of when they go to that instrument, they have at it. They play, 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 yes, play, play. Yep. I want Practice. them to explore it. I want them to 
you know, see what it can do. And I let it go on. I want them to be sick of it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, now I'm ready to do the real thing. I want them to get there before I get there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and of course you preface that ahead of time by, like you said, demonstrating this is how you play the tambourine. Mm-hmm. This is how you make the tambourine be quiet when it's time for right. it to be quiet. Right, and I'll specify if I know that there's a particular instrument that people like to flip in the air. Or, yeah, throw. Yes. Or, yes. So we'll say rhythm sticks, you know, you can play them this way, this way, this way. You can find different ways to play them, but don't flip them in the air. You end up knocking yourself in the head usually. Yeah. yeah. And that's not good for anybody. Yeah. Um, and then this is also good because I have a, a signal where I just stand in front of them and I raise my arms, you know, like a conductor would and, and cut them off. Yeah. And they know to go into rest position. Yeah. Right. And then you're teaching follow the conductor skills. Exactly. So that is a big thing that I'm using all the time as far as student choice goes. Um, I'm going to mention my little imagination thing. Yeah. Uh, that you thought was, you know, anyway, this is very I just silly. didn't know what you were, you were typing and I didn't understand what you were saying. Okay. But now so, I'm ready to hear you say it out loud. As long as you're not taking too much time with this. Yeah. Uh, especially with primary children, if there's any opportunity for them to make a choice just in their imagination, oh, go yeah. for it. Yeah. So here is my example. You know, highway number one. Um, I traveled around Australia on highway number one, right? And Mm -hmm. the kids are driving their cars, and then they stop, and I'm blanking on um, what recording that is that you can find on Spotify. I'm... I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, so it's something... (laughs) Highway number one is just a... um, you know, we'll link to it in the show notes. We'll link to it, and (laughs) I'll come up with it, like, in a second here. Um, And so before we get started... With the whole song, um, what we will do is I'll say, okay, close your eyes. Oh, shenanigans. Got it. Oh, Folk right. Dances of Terra Australia. Yes, yes. Volume three. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I believe it's on Spotify. Um, so I'll just say, close your eyes for a second. Think about the car that you are driving. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What color is it? Oh, yeah. What does it feel like inside? What does it feel like? What... Uh, how are you going to be driving it? Why are you wearing a hat while you're driving? Like, I mean, really short. Yeah. But it just gives them, it just, it, it makes things fun and engaging and it gives them some choice, even though this is a choice that's really not going to play out in the real world. Right. 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 No, that's great. I've done similar stuff, like if we're doing a vocal exploration thing, and, oh, everybody hold on to your balloon, and we're going to let our, what color is your balloon today? Right. And just give them that moment to go, pink, green, okay, now we're going to let our balloon fly in the sky and follow it with your voice, you know, whatever, whatever little thing you're doing. Just yes. give them that little moment. Uh-huh. And I got to put in a caveat here. Yeah. Uh, because when I started doing these kinds of things, I took too long. Okay. Right. I took too long telling stories that might be attached to a, a eight measure folk song. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would go to town on yeah. it because it was fun for me. Uh-huh. Don't take too long. Just, just <laughs> you don't have to go overboard. I'm giggling because I'm just imagining this long story about Lucy Lockett and then she finds a bean and then she bounces high, bounces low to yes. Shiloh. Yeah, you and can then, really, yeah. you can beat a dead horse. You can kill oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Just keep it short and sweet. Right. Yeah. Have, like, plan a moment in your lesson that you're going to have that moment where the kids get to share something, part of the story, and then mm-hmm. move on. And also with primary kids, and anyone who's taught any primary kids for, like, five minutes understands this, there's a difference between stories and questions. Yeah. 
and don't let that I mean of course when a student raises raise their hand and you think there's a question and out comes a story you you kind of do have to wait it out and then yep. you have to shut it down yeah 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 um, something else we should mention, especially great for primary kids, but you know what, all ages, is, you know, movement choices, too. If you're doing any sort of steady beat or guess who the beat leader is type mm-hmm. of activities, of course, the important part is you give them that music vocabulary or movement vocabulary by having them do lots of following you. Yes. But then once you've done lots of following you, now it's time to have a student leader stand up in the front of the class and follow this kid's steady beat. Yes. Or if you're doing something where everyone's playing rhythm sticks, okay, here's the leader, how are they playing rhythm sticks? Exactly. And I've mentioned this before, one of my favorite ways to do this is to get a flashlight and to give the student the spotlight and you shine the spotlight like on that student or on the floor right in front of that student so they all know where to look with their eyes Mm -hmm. and you can just move the spotlight randomly during the song. And it's just fun for them and it's their their spotlight moment later during that time. So any follow the leader type activities, whether it's motions or playing instruments in different ways. And that's giving them choice and voice. Exactly. Yeah. And we should also mention, too, I mean, obviously take this with a grain of salt. Depends on what your um, restrictions are in your school. But as far as allowing students to choose where they sit. Oh, yes. Especially older students. I will say that I'm a big fan of seating charts. And I I really have only allowed this year my sixth graders to choose where they sit. And part of that is because of their age. And part of that is because we're on a hybrid model with mm-hmm. our sixth graders. So I only see half a class whenever I see them. Right. So there's literally only like six kids in the room so you know because of that they can really kind of spread out and find their own space and I trust them um I haven't done a lot of this with anybody else this year this Um, year I did it with everybody really yeah but then once I was gonna say so they chose their initial spot but then now that is their spot okay is that how it's working well it depends on the class on whether or not we keep these um choices of seats uh so for for about half of my classes, they came in on day one, and I said, okay, you get to choose. Just find a colored Velcro dot and sit there. And then they did a great job, and I just kept those seats for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there were some classes <clears throat> who chose and sat there, and things weren't going well. And I did do some, like, oh, you know what, Sally, you move over by Randolph or whatever. Right. Um, I did make some little switches, and then after, like, the third day, I was like, Hey, that was fun. And now here's your real seats. Cool. So, you know, it, yeah. it really, really depends on your class. Totally. Know yeah. your class and know what your, you know, allowances are, especially yes. during COVID times. Exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to some bigger choices. So as far as like assignments go, I mean, I think we all know about choice boards. And yes. Choice you know, and uh, you've been really good at the choice boards, and yeah. I have not done them, honestly. Well, I mean, not this year. So last year when we went online, I was really struggling with what to do, and I saw these ideas of, like, bingo boards, or I did tic-tac-toe boards. So I would basically push out a board every week for every grade, and there would be nine choices, and out of those nine choices, they had to do three. Mm-hmm. But I was able to control the content as far as, like, what we were doing curricular-wise because the center box was always required. Right. So in that center box that was always like the meat of the lesson that was a loom video that I created about a certain song or about a certain topic or 
you know, reinforcing a certain literacy concept, whatever. And then the rest of the choices on the board would support that. Right. So like in first grade, I did one about rest, about quarter note rest. The middle square was me doing a video reviewing what a rest is and what you do when you see a rest. And then all the choices around it were things supporting rest. Right. Whether it was doing like a a rhythm reading activity on some sort of rhythm generator website or exploring rhythms in Chrome Music Lab or whatever. Yeah. You know, so they kind of, each board kind of had a theme, but then within that theme, they have lots of choices. Right. And this is excellent. It's a lot of work up front, which is honestly why I didn't do it. Also, not, you have, you come, okay, so you're filling the boxes with things that they might not do, and I hate that. Yes. Um, Also, me, myself, when I see a board like that, I find it overwhelming. Right. So yeah. that's another reason why I was just like, you know what, maybe later, but not right now. Yeah, and I so. will say it worked for some of my kids, and some kids loved it, and then mm-hmm. other kids never touched it for, I'm sure, a variety of reasons. But I do, it was a lot of reading for the younger students, so mm-hmm. as it went on, I, I simplified it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I was also very repetitive, so like from week to week, the bottom left-hand corner was always exploring on Chrome Music Lab. Right. So they kind of always knew that was always there as yeah. a choice. This year with my online kids, so we I do have a few classes that are fully remote, um, and so I'm pushing stuff out to them totally asynchronous. I'm not doing any live Zoom classes or anything with them because my schedule just doesn't allow for it. Mm-hmm. But what we were asked to do was just push out asynchronous work for them to do kind of at their own pace, and I was encouraged to do a lot of choice within that. So what I'm doing is every week I am doing a lesson and I am taking full advantage of the Music Play mm-hmm. website and subscription. Thank you to it's still free now. It is still free, but I went ahead and upgraded and got my school to pay for a subscription. Good for because you. I said this is what I'm going to be doing with my asynchronous kids. There's all these lessons and videos already built, so I don't have to build all of them. It supports our standards. Can I get this? And my principal said yes. So thank you to Denise Gagne and her team for yes. creating that content because you know could I create a bunch of content like that sure I could but man it would take so much time oh yeah so um anyways I push out a lesson to them one of um the online lessons every week and then in Google Classroom or Seesaw there's some sort of follow-up whether it's a worksheet or some sort of a composition activity so something that supports that I know that they did the lesson right but then I also send out to them I call it exploration time yeah so using Google Sites I created a website and I'll link to it in the show notes where every grade level they click on their grade level and there's a handful of things for them to do so Chrome Music Lab Incredibox, links to thing links that I created in the past yeah. back in the spring. So it's just a chance for them just to kind of have that choice of what do I want to do. So I say for 20 minutes, do whatever you want. And then on Google Classroom or Seesaw, depending on the class, they just simply have to tell me, what did you do for 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Could they be lying? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> the point is that the exploration time isn't the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes is the music play lesson. Right. This is just an opportunity for them to do more. And you're and getting them there. You're getting them to the site. Yeah, and, and it's so cute because especially in Seesaw, I tell the kids, you can draw a picture or record yourself telling me what you did. And I get so many cute kid interpretations in Seesaw of something on Chrome Music Lab. Like they'll draw like the little, you know how like in the rhythm maker thing 
or I don't remember what it's called, beat maker or rhythm maker. Rhythm maker with the little monkeys. But the monkeys, yeah. Yeah. So they draw these pictures of these little monkeys playing the drums. And that's how I know that's what they did. Right. Or they'll record themselves. I did the monkeys on the drums. It was fun, you know. It's just, it's adorable. And I've gotten some feedback from parents saying that the kids actually really love that exploration time. Awesome. You know, and they they look forward to it and they do more. I had a kid say, I did it for an hour because I was having so much fun. Awesome. So that's been working And now you can include some Soundtrap stuff. Yes, exactly. I am going to be doing more and more, especially with older kids on Soundtrap too. Anything else about choice you want to mention before we move on? Um, Well, I mean... No. Okay. We, we've covered all the big ones that, that I wanted to, yeah. to mention. Well, I mean, we, we should put a shout out to as far as choice website time. I, I use Google Sites to create a website for exploration, but you have created in the past, like, the Bitmoji Interactive Classroom, too. I have. It serves the same purpose, is yes. all I'm trying to say. Yes. Actually, you know what? I take it back. Um, I did want to talk about... Um, choice in a like during class time oh yeah what I'm doing this week since I see kids two weeks and then I go on and I see a different group of kids um Friday I'm calling Friday fun time yeah but it's not for the entire class period honestly it's for like maybe half the class time so I do have a system a classroom management system in place where they earn beats, uh-huh. and um, the beats are specifically for participation, respect, and raising a hand, which I know it sounds weird because raising a hand is very specific, and the other two are kind of general. Yeah. Uh, because raising a hand is something that at my homeschool that I don't know what's going on, but lately it seems like more and more kids are just blurting, blurting, blurting. I have that too. Do you think it's the masks that they think that because they're wearing a mask we don't know who's blurting? No, I just I don't know. It's I don't a know what it is. Thing. But it, but yeah, but I say you know it's it's important. Not this is not the only place in society where we raise hands, kids. No. Like I say, there are business meetings in Japan right now where people are raising hands to get their you know <laughs> maybe voice not heard. in Japan right at that moment. Well, they're probably maybe. Asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't go there. But I'm like you know. This is not just, like, in the classroom. Raising hands happens, like, all over the world yeah. in many societies. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, okay, so at the end of class, and this is a student voice piece, by yeah. the way. At the very end of class, I'll go, okay, so how did we do today? Close your eyes and give me a thumbs up. And I say, put it on your head so that I can look for at the same place on everybody. On top of your head, either give me a thumbs up. Thumbs down, thumbs sideways. How do we do on being respectful for each other? Right. Right. And we've had this conversation at the beginning of the school year about what that looks like, what that means, what participation looks like. So we go through respect, participation, and raising a hand. And it really takes like two minutes. Yeah. Right. And if they've earned X number of beats by Friday, and I say X number, but because we've had so many truncated weeks here and there because of various stuff, that I adjust how many beats they have to earn if it's a three-day week versus a five-day week. So if we have, say, nine beats by Friday, then for the last half of class, we get Friday fun time. And so I have incorporated a lot of choice because it used to be that we would, as a class, decide. Yeah. Now, this year, it's as an individual we decide. So what I had going recently with a third grade class is that I had a couple third graders who said, I'm playing guitar at home. I want to play guitar. And I said, okay, Um, on Friday fun free time, then I I have like four guitars. 
mm-hmm. that are not awesome in awesome shape, but they're they'll they'll do. So um, I opened it up and I said, okay, I've got four guitars. If you want to go and sit in this very spaced out circle over here mm-hmm. and play guitar with each other, I won't be there to instruct you, but you have at it. Yeah. Okay. And then if you and then I, within their Google, Google Classroom, I put in. You can go to Chrome Music Lab. You can go do Incredibox. Or you can go and watch, you know, these specific music videos yeah. that deal with what we've been studying all week. Or if you want to come forward in the room and we're going to be doing the skeleton dance boom whacker. Uh-huh. For anybody who wants to play boom whackers in a group, you know, you can come forward. And so this has been great because kids have this individual choice. I've got like, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit noisy yeah because i got a group of students on guitar i've got kids who are just on their chromebooks maybe with headphones maybe not and then i've got kids up front with me who want to do the boom whackers and this is their chance for like they get two different notes you know right um so they're allowed to switch activities anytime they want no (laughs) so they have to and and that's really because of covid and that is because of covid yeah Yeah. so um the guitar circle was such a big hit (laughs) That I had kids going, well, I want that choice next time. Yeah. And so now we're doing like a random choosing. Okay. Yeah. So Alex, your name came up. Do you want to play guitar this, you know, for Got the free it. time? And, yeah. and Alex says yes or no or whatever. Totally. So yeah, yeah, I've done something similar in the past. I haven't this year where, you know, I'm big on stations. We've both talked about stations before. And after we've done, you know, stations in the traditional way, you know, switching every five minutes and they get to explore all the stations, there might be a time later on where they get choice stations where they can choose oh, which yes. station they go to. And I say you can go to one station and be there the entire time or mm-hmm. you can go to multiple stations. But this year with the sanitizing and the cleaning, I'm not sure exactly how that would work well i was just thinking within stations because i'm wanting to do stations this next week yeah so i'm thinking through all of the things um because there's less kids there'll be less stations and there'll be more time so can like the last two or three minutes of that time be here's your disinfectant wipe everyone clean up before we switch everybody clean up before you go oh yeah or leave a pump of hand sanitizer at every station because Mm -hmm. if they're cleaning their hands when they get there before they touch the stuff, and then they clean their hands again. This is true. Before they switch. Yeah. And if it's it, really hands, that's really the major issue, you know? Yeah. Um, I know. I, I'm thinking the But same it's also thing. air circulation, because I keep thinking about that. Like, is it okay? But we're air circulating in the same room no matter what. I know. Even uh, if yeah. it's not in the same little corner of the room. Yes. I was also thinking of cheating. I don't know how this would go with kids. If the, <laughs> but I, here's what I mean. I was thinking, like, this station is this activity on your Chromebook. And then a station, uh, when you get to station number four, it's that activity on your Chromebook. Yeah. So they're in a physically different space. They just travel around the room with their Chromebook. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I wouldn't do that for every single station. You know, I feel like this year kids are so hard up for anything that's not just them sitting. And I said this before, like, about singing games that I've had to alter that I'm thinking this is so lame. Uh But I still totally love it because Uh it's just something different than sitting at their desk doing whatever they've been doing all day yes so i would say try it if it you know doesn't go well well. that'll be interesting okay sounds good (laughs) okay so now we're talking about so we talked about little choices we talked about big choices and now let's talk about student voice yeah yeah so how is student voice different than student choice (laughs) i'm putting you on the spot i mean it's really to me it's more about really getting to know that student as an individual and making sure that they feel like their thoughts are are being wait so you're putting me on the spot and then you i'm sorry i just answered (laughs) 
What do you want to say about that? I was going to say, I was going to tie it back to our social emotional learning. Yes, exactly. And how everybody needs to be heard in some way. Everybody loves the sound of their name. Everybody loves to be heard. You know, everybody wants their ideas and desires and interests and all that to be heard. I mean, we're doing this podcast now. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and maybe no one's listening. <laughs> they, no we're one's out there listening. talking. We're just putting it out there. We are. Yeah. So it's important for them to have voice. And I mean, in the music room, we're doing this a lot. COVID times are not. Yeah. If we're asking kids to compose, if we're asking them totally. to sing solo or in a small group or improvise, any of that time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you brought up SEL, so I will talk about this project. Yes, please, because I stole it from you, and yeah. I love it. So it, I, I did this project just with my sixth graders, although I'm sure it would work with, with slightly I'm younger students. I'm doing it with fifth graders, and then I also modified it for fourth graders. Okay, yeah, I think it's definitely doable. So it's called Soundtrack of My Life, and this was totally inspired by modified from a suggested activity from Music and Social Emotional Learning by mm-hmm. um, Scott and Edgar that we read this last summer for but we wouldn't sell this particular. You wouldn't sell this particular project or activity on Teachers Pay Teachers because no, that would be copyright. It was not my original idea. Yes. Now, not that you were trying to. I'm just putting it out there that yeah. if you take an idea from a book, yeah. and you judge it up and you and you sell it on TPT, you are in fact breaking copyright. Good reminder. Thank <laughs> just, you, Tanya. Just so you know. Now there is a workbook um, that goes with the book that I believe has. Does it have a template for this assignment in that workbook? You have the. It workbook. does. Okay. Yes. So I know there is a template that exists, but I basically just created my own, anyways. Um, so the idea, I mean, and you can take this in different directions, but the idea is that students are choosing music to accompany different aspects of their life, and this is kind of a get-to-know-you activity. But I really tied it a lot for students into this idea of. And I played for them like different soundtracks from movies. And how does this music represent this part of this movie? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the opening theme from Star Wars, you know, what's happening musically that enhances what's happening here? You know, a battle scene from a certain movie or a sad song from a certain movie or a happy song, you know? So this idea of we tied it into expression in music and we talked about dynamics and we talked about tempo and we talked about timbre. Why did the composer choose these certain instruments? What about these instruments brings up this certain idea or feeling? So once we kind of went through that whole group and had those, those discussions, then um, I gave them this um, activity and I gave it to them on Google Classroom and it was a slideshow. Mm-hmm. And each slide is a different piece or song that's supposed to represent a certain aspect of their life. And you could do this chronologically, like this represents my past, my present, and my future. I chose to do it more just like certain songs that that are about a certain thing. So, for example, a song that reminds me of my childhood. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, and I gave them example of what mine would be. Mine was You Are My Sunshine, because my mom used to always sing that song to me. Um, A song that reminds you of your friends. What's music that you listen to when you hang out with your friends? A song that you listen to when you're sad. When you're feeling down, a song that you listen to that gets you pumped up. Um, my personal favorite was a song you would hear at a family event mm-hmm. because that was my way for them to kind of like honor their their culture and their family. Um, you know, so I said it could be something you hear at the holidays or you hear at a quinceanera or you hear at a wedding or you hear at a funeral. You know, like what's mm-hmm. a common song that you hear? Like every time my family gets together, we always hear this song, you mm-hmm. know. 
So the idea was they had to put the title of the piece, they had to give a brief explanation why they chose that piece, and they were encouraged to use some music vocabulary, Mm -hmm. and then optional, they could insert a YouTube video to that song, and I showed them how to do that in Google Slides. Oh, yes, I sat and showed how to do that. Oh, yeah, and we talked about, you know, if you can't find the particular version you want because of the lyrics, you know, of course I... I encouraged them to choose pieces that were appropriate for school no matter what. But I said, if there's a certain song that you just really want to tell me about, find the clean version. Right. And if you can't find the clean version, then and you just, need to find something else. Oh, oh really? Because I told my kids, if you can't find a clean version, just put the name well, of the song Well, and I did say that, too. Yeah. I said, go ahead and just put the title. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I understand. You know, we, you're... You're sixth graders, you know, you right. listen to music that isn't always clean. I listen to music that's not always clean. Like, yeah. it's just life. So anyways, I pushed it out, and because my kids are in this hybrid model, basically I see them two days a week. So the first day was a lot of preparation going through the project. The second day they really just sat and worked on it, and most of them did finish it, and then they do have at-home days that they could finish it at home. And um, most of my students really did a great job with this project. I was really excited to get to know them better, and I felt like, this is an example of something because they were doing it individually on their own device and I gave them so much time to work on it I was really able to get some authentic responses that had I done something whole group you know I don't know what it would have been but I just mean like this incorporation of using Google Classroom and individualized assignments like this is an opportunity to really get to know your kids in a different way and it also emphasizes the role that music plays in our lives oh yeah Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I had kids share some really profound things with me, yes. some really personal things. And I didn't say they had to by any means, but I said, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with me, just know no one's going to see these but me. Mm-hmm. This is not a public project. It's between me and you. So you can share, you know, so some of them talked about people in their life who have passed away oh. or, you know, a traumatic event that's happened in their life that this music reminds them of that event. I mean, some of them got pretty heavy. Wow. <laughs> I mean, nothing that I was like concerned and needed to go talk to the social worker about. I mean, just typical preteen stuff. But, um, you know, I, I work in a place where my kids have been through a lot and a lot of them have had a lot of trauma in their life. And I was really allowing them to have that place and that space to voice that. And then, like you said, also tie it into music, that music has that healing effect for us. Yeah. Music helps us process emotions good and bad mm-hmm. and you know it was it was really cool yeah I, I loved it oh, I, I love it too. I will do this project every year I'm doing it right now grade. with yeah. fifth graders and fourth graders I modified it quite a bit for fourth graders so I for example took out song a sound uh, a song from your childhood yeah so I'm like it's your you're, you're still child. <laughs> I know. I felt a little weird putting that in sixth grade, but you know, they were really funny because a lot of them chose music from like a Disney movie that they loved when right. they were little. Um, I have the Gummy Bear song a couple times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's an excellent assignment and I'm loving it. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Um, cool. So that is big on student voice. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if I would have done it, maybe you would have, uh, if I had not been forced to use technology more. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. because this, this project, part of what was so cool about it was the fact that they got to insert the YouTube videos. Right. That's what made it really fun. And then, of course, I encouraged them to add different backgrounds and images and, mm-hmm. you know, to zhuzh it up and really personalize. Like, And I had a whole rubric for them of how I was grading them, and part of it was the creativity and the personalization piece. Yep. And a lot of them added, like, actual pictures of them and their friends. Like, Aww. on the slide that said a song that reminds me of my friends, it was, like, pictures of them and their friends 
Everyone's Hello. hanging out. Hopefully pre-COVID times. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it could have been just taken yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, it was a great, great project. So thank you to, to Scott Edgar and team for mentioning that in your book, because that was one when we read the book, I went, that's absolutely something I could do. And like you said, especially in this age of doing things so much digitally, that's a perfect project for yes, that. Yes, it is. So let's talk just a little bit, too, about composition. I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, composition is inherently an opportunity A lot for of student, student choice, choice and a lot of student voice. You know, and I think the challenge we face as elementary music teachers is when it comes to composition, there is so much scaffolding that needs to happen. You know, you're not just going to give kids a blank piece of staff paper and say, go. Right. I mean, they need... So, you know, the, the voice is small in the beginning because Mm -hmm. you might just be saying all right you know if you are sticking with a traditional notation kind of thing you might say to them all right you're going to compose eight beats using ta and titi right that's not a lot of personal voice but the idea is hopefully as you're getting those building blocks that as they're getting older you know not only are you giving them more of a music vocabulary when it comes to music literacy traditional music literacy but then you're also tying it into text and song writing and if you're giving that specific structure with rhythm and pitch then their voice can come out in instrumentation. Exactly. Right? So, and I I can't remember. There's a lot. There's been a few famous people who have said things. I'm thinking there's a quote by Sondheim that I am not remembering about how having less choice gives you more, like, spurns more creativity. Right. Right. That we're often more creative if we're just giving a structure of like, okay, these are your choices for this, and these are your choices for rhythm, and these are your choices for instruments, and now you're free to be creative. Whereas if you were to say, go for it, anything goes, that it's overwhelming. paralyzes people. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it's overwhelming. So yeah, it really it makes you focus on why you're choosing that choice rather than there's just so much. I'm just gonna throw this on a page because I don't know what else to do. Yeah, and you mentioned Soundtrap earlier. So Soundtrap is a it's um what do we want to call it it's a it's garage band it's garage band <laughs> but it lives on the cloud it's it, it is the thing you have to pay for we are very fortunate in our, our district, district has purchased it. has yes. purchased it and it's put out by the same people who do spotify yeah exactly yeah. and we had a training on it last week um so anyways i definitely plan on doing if you have access to soundtrap doing some soundtrap lessons yes and here's where older kids more but right and if you're looking for specific ideas um, Jessica Grant over at Afternoon Tea has put out like three podcasts yeah. about very specific um, projects, assignments that she's done with Soundtrap. Yep. And that is really worth listening to because she really gets into the nitty gritty about yep. it. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to start exploring that. Yeah. So now it's time for our segment we're calling Know Better, Do Better, where we reevaluate a practice or a resource or literature or whatever in our in our uh, own classrooms that we've decided is no longer appropriate for whatever reason, and then give some suggestions of maybe something else to do instead. So right. Tanya's going to talk about an excellent resource Yeah, today. so I am just going to talk about you know, something to do instead. Yeah. I'm not even going to mention songs that we should avoid okay. specifically right yeah, now. Yeah, we've talked about that. We, yes. I mean, <laughs> of course, we haven't covered all of oh, them well, no. by any means, but... It's out there. It's out there. You know it's out there. All right. So let's talk about resources, specifically about resources for music from Africa. Now, um, let's 
talk specifically about when we talk about Africa real quick. And (laughs) I am totally guilty of this. Africa is a continent. Yep. Lots of countries there, right? Yes. So it's kind of silly for us to say, this is music from Africa, yeah. right? Because you got to get a lot more specific. Yeah. So a lot of the things that I know that are in the common elementary music classroom repertoire are from West Africa. Right. So I'm thinking of Ghana. You know, I mean, most of the songs that I um, know from even my days in college and in my master's program were specifically West African. Yes. So I wanted to mention this resource that is specifically East African yeah. called Kenya Sing and Dance by Tim Gregory. And it's music and movement from East Africa. And oh boy, this is just such an excellent resource because we can consider this a primary resource because Tim Gregory was in Kenya and he wrote down the dances, wrote down the music, he took pictures, he took videos of children performing these songs. And so there's seven songs in here. He's very specific. He gives you notation. But also there's a DVD. And I was looking on West Music just now, and I don't think that there's a digital recording, um, as far as I know. But there is a DVD that comes along with it where you're hearing him describing the dance... You're, you're seeing them dance the right. dances, which makes a world of difference. Uh, there's photographs in here. It's a very nice resource. Um, it's, oh, again, it's a primary resource because it was collected exactly from the source. Yes. A secondary resource would be a publication, say, where um, the person who put it in the book is not the person who collected that song. Right. But they got it from someone else who collected that song. Right. Right. So a tertiary resource is anything else. Like <laughs> it's been um, watered down from... And I, Okay, not to say tertiary resources are always negative. No, yeah. But it's just, it's it's been through the filter a few times. It's important to know those distinctions. Yeah, so think about textbook. Like, right. your music and you, or that's not even a thing anymore. What's it called? Um, spotlight on music. Spotlight on music, right? So any textbook that you get is a tertiary source. Right. Anything you find on a blog yeah. is a tertiary source. Yeah. yeah. So it's always best to try to find as close to the primary sources as you can. Yeah. Right. And for Kodai folks out there, if you're thinking about doing any Kodai training, you know, when you're creating your folk song collection, you are really asked to only pull from primary and secondary resources. You are generally not allowed to collect from... uh, Oh, yeah. uh, I can't even say the word. Tertiary. Tertiary sources. I always have a problem saying that word. Resource, because, you know, you just... It's like the telephone game, you know? Like, things get lost, you know, the more they get written down and they change. And yes, we know folk music is folk music, and it evolves, and there's different variants, and we know this. Mm -hmm. But you want to get as close to the original as possible. Yeah, because things get convoluted really quickly. And if you need proof of that... Go research real quick online Fungalafia, which is not really... <laughs> it's not an authentic... An authentic song of any place anywhere in Africa. In Africa. <laughs> yeah. But that's a long story, yeah. and I'm stealing that from... Karen Howard. Karen Howard, who does a fantastic... Uh, I think she has written a paper on it as, as as well, like an article about like Fungalafia. Let's stop saying it's a West African song. Right. And yeah. I remember specifically hearing her talk about it. Her part, point was, don't 
don't stop doing fungo lafia. Yeah, just don't just call don't it Just don't say this. it's from Africa or anywhere in Africa because it's not. It was created by, I can't remember the whole story. It was, but it was created by a, a musician dancer. Yes. And it was used in a dance troupe. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean that we throw it out. It just means know, know where it comes from. Right. So anyway, back to Kenya Sing and Dance. <laughs> yes. An excellent resource of um, East African music and you know it's it's also worth just having your students see yeah these kids sing and dance totally and we'll link to it in the show notes yep and now it's time for our work smarter not harder teacher tip maybe tech tip right yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to talk about something specific on Google Classroom. So if you're not a Google Classroom user, you can just skip ahead, skip ahead a few minutes. <laughs> Three minutes. Um, so I want to talk about, there is a handy tab that I sometimes forget is there. Um, when you open up your Google Classroom and you go to like your page where you see all your classes is like each individual box, I guess you would call that your home screen. There are some uh, tabs up on the top that are handy to remember. So there's a to do tab and there's a to review tab. Oh. So if you click this to do to review tab, uh-huh. then you can filter by class. So, you know, I will say if you're sharing classroom with other teachers, like if you share it with the classroom teacher or in your case, Tanya, if you yeah. share it with PNR, I don't know if this is helpful. Well, I'll to just you. look and I'll go, looks like Craig has some more. <laughs> well, that's what it is. So, like, if I click on one of my classes, I'm doing it right now. Well, this is a bad example. Okay, so if I click on a class what it's going to show me is all of the assignments that I've put out how and cool. it shows me in one page how many have been turned in how many are yet to do it it'll say like assigned and how many I've already graded so then from there I can just quickly take a glance so this is especially good you know because I leave my assignments up there forever um, because even though there might be due dates on things if a kid was absent or especially for online learners if you're giving them more time to yep. do things um, you know sometimes I don't see when students are turning things in past the due date because I'm not going back and looking. So this is just a great place to get one screenshot. I have not used this. This is awesome. And then the nice thing is once you have graded all of them, then you can click next to the assignment. There's these three little dots. That's like your little menu. And then you can click Mark is Reviewed. So then within this tab, there are sub-tabs. There's a To Review and there's Reviewed. So then once you have reviewed that particular assignment and you know I'm done grading this, I'm not going to look at it anymore, you can zip it over in your Reviewed category. So the assignment doesn't go away for the kid. It doesn't go away for you. But it's just a nice way to organize what you need to grade and what you have already graded. So it's just a great white place to see everything. So again, looking at Google Classroom, you go to your main menu where all of your classes are, click your to review tab, and from there you can filter by class. That is so cool. Yeah, it's really handy. And now it's time for our CODA section, where we share something that is just brightening up our lives. I'm going to talk about food. <laughs> Always <laughs> brightens up my life. I tell you what, I, between the COVID and the winter coming, the weather getting colder, it's mm-hmm. snowing in Colorado Did right you see now. the thing that I stole on from somebody on Facebook that says, 
I don't know why we need Halloween. I've been wearing a mask and eating candy every day for the last totally. seven months. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Um, also, I have, um, this is like the first time in my life I've taught at a school, and I'm teaching it two of them now, that has like what I consider to be an earlier schedule in the day, mm-hmm. meaning like I'm done, you know, with my contract hours mm-hmm. by either 3.15 or 3.30. I have never worked at a school where I'm done before 4.00. Like wow. ever, and I know that's just a half See, hour. I've but that always, makes... I've always been out of school yeah. like at three. No, I've always been an early, early, early like or or late. Sorry, I've always been a late school. Like that's just always been the schools where I'm at, not my personal choice, their schedule. Yeah. So I'm dealing so with that the fact means... I have to be at school early. Right. So my kids, like if if we're not making dinner by five p.m., there's trouble. Right. Yeah, no. So, yeah, so I'm coming home sooner, you know, and I'm doing more like I come home and then I, I, I plan at home kind of a thing rather than staying at school because of having to pick up my own children. You don't need to know all these details. The point is that I'm trying to say. <laughs> and you need to get away from that, that COVID that and go to your I own am COVID. home yeah. at an early enough time where I am able to, like, make dinner, like, almost every night, like, for real. So I have really been enjoying cooking again. Good for you. And I will say I am really enjoying anything by the pioneer woman i am okay let me just say i know it's not healthy there's a lot of butter but not all of her (laughs) recipes have a lot of butter and are unhealthy sometimes they just have a lot of sugar there are some well that's that there's that too there i feel like her stuff for a family like mine where my kids will eat some vegetables but not a lot and you know we're just we really like comfort foods and kid-friendly foods and meat and potatoes kind of meals. This this lady is really up our alley. Yeah. So last year, my husband and my children got me as a Christmas gift, although I think it was really more for them, um, the collection of Pioneer Woman's cookbooks. You could get, like, the four-pack from Costco. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I also do enjoy watching her show on Food Network. So anyways... Emily, I have never seen that show. Oh, I mean, and she's, you know, you can get annoyed by her, I'm sure. There's There's... There's things and I, sayings. No, no that one is she slamming does. your pioneer. No, woman I'm just stuff. as there might be people. Out I have there used her recipe. Eyes. I love the barbecue meatballs. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. So, the, the part, if you're looking to get one cookbook by her and just start with one, I suggest Dinner Time. It's got a red cover because it's kind of like everything, and there's lots of freezer meals, and I think the meatballs are in there. Yeah. So she'll like give you the recipe for the meatballs, and you can make a gazillion and freeze them, and then here are four different ways you can use the meatballs. That's I, like an example. I don't. Of what I don't need. Four different ways. Just, just the barbecue. Give me the meatballs. Yeah. yeah, I feel like her recipes are doable. They're not complicated. The ingredients aren't out there. So every week, my kids pick out a couple of recipes from the Pioneer Woman cookbooks, either cool. ones we've made before or new ones, and it's getting us to try new recipes. Does she do any vegetarian cookbooks? Yes. Oh, well, really? not the whole cookbook, but there are some meatless things. Okay. She herself, this is the funny thing about her, she herself was a vegetarian for a while uh-huh. before she met her husband who's a rancher, a cattle rancher. Ooh, and choices. now they live on a ranch in Oklahoma, and it's all about beef. Ah. <laughs> so she's no longer a vegetarian. Wow. But anyways. And I, I just, am not a vegetarian either, but my, my daughter is threatening to yeah. become a vegetarian, so I'm kind of freaking out. She does lots of meatless meals. It's just lots of pasta meals. So right. it's not necessarily healthy vegetarian. It could be a lot of creamy pasta vegetarian. Yum. But it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I'm just, you know, enjoying some, some cooking time, and if you're looking for a new recipe, recipes and new ideas check out pioneer woman and if you don't want to buy her cookbook i mean which you, you can go online you can go online i, I and have find done tons a few of her. recipes from just online yeah, yeah 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 
Because she's got a great blog, too. Yes. Okay, Tanya, what do you want to talk about? All right. I know so that was random. But... You're talking about comfort food. Yeah. I'm talking about comfort TV. Okay. Um, I don't know how I stumbled upon this show once upon a time, but I'm watching, um, like, all of the episodes and all of the seasons of this Canadian drama comedy show um, called Being Erica. And so if you like, you know, female protagonists and, um, you know, uh, okay, here's the basic. Named Erica? Named Erica. (laughs) Well, someone, I'm looking at this page and someone said, well, if you liked Sex Sex in the City, you might like, and I could see some similarities, but it is definitely not as um, out and out raunchy as Sex in the City. So it's this Canadian show that aired from 2009 to 2011. And I'm a sucker for time travel. I've talked about it before. So the whole premise is at the very beginning of this show is that this young woman, she's like 32, um, Erica, she's she's lost a job, she's lost a boyfriend, she's like in, in dire straits and things are bad. And she wanders into a building and wanders into this psycho, psycho, and psychologist's office. Okay. I was going to say psychoanalyst. It doesn't matter because he's not really that either. Anyway, so he says, write down all your regrets and um, are you feeling like you could commit to therapy? And she's like, okay, sure, why not? And then the next day she tries to go back to this building and of course this building's gone. Ah. Because he's a time traveler. Oh, um, okay. Therapist. No, I know. It sounds, I feel like I need that in my life. It sounds so kooky. But um, so what happens is that, like, for every episode, he's like, well, looks like number 43 that you mentioned you regretted such and such. And then he zaps her back in time. And, and she, she, she relives whatever, you know, ah. like when she was in high school or when she was in college or right before her master's program or whatever. Anyway, and it's very engaging. And it's okay. fun. And it's it's. It's very amusing, and the lead actress is just fantastic. She does really well um, that she's not, you know, she's she's somebody that you could actually like. Because I don't know about you, but I was, I've been getting really tired of watching shows about people who I don't like at all. <laughs> yeah. I can always watch those. I know uh, what you mean, like the anti-hero. The an- I'm tired yeah. of anti-heroes, yeah. right? I mean, I don't need someone to be, like, awesomely perfect. Flaws are good, but not, like... You know, I don't know. I, I can't even think of... want to be in the room with the person. Yeah, like I'm a zombie now and I ate my family's brains. I, I'm just, I can't... <laughs> Looking uh, at you, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I never oh, watched yes. that show. I tried, I tried. <laughs> and then I was like, too much blood, I just yeah, can't. No. Anyway, so it's a fun lark. It's been great while I'm like, you know, puttering around the house and cooking and doing cooking. laundry. And, nice. and there you go. It's got this time travel element and... The characters are really likable, and it's set in Canada, which is interesting because you forget that it's set in Canada, and then every once in a while, there's something very Canadian jumps out, and you're like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're in Canada." Um, and where do you watch this? show? Oh, um, it's on Hulu. Okay, Bean Erica. Nice. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. 
In our next episode, we'll be talking about modified singing games and movement activities for a socially distant music room. Until next time, this is Carrie. And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicking. <laughs>